Equipping speakers to make an impact. It's the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers with your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Vincent Ivan Phipps, referred to as the Attitude Amplifier, who specializes in presentations and training that improve interpersonal communication, amplify attitudes, and teach leadership skills. Let's get started. So, Vincent, um, in one sentence, what do you speak about? I specialize in improving communication, motivation, and amplifying overall presentation skills so you look and sound more polished. I love the sound of that, especially the last part that I will sound more polished. <laughs> yes, sir. Vincent, uh, you know, how did you end up in being in the business of being a speaker? I wanted to be a lawyer, Robert, and I ended up winning a debate, not because I was legally sound, but because I was prolific in my cross-examinations and my rebuttals. And the jury found me as the winner, even though it wasn't legally sound. And my father, who has an unparalleled level of integrity, told me I did not deserve to win because I was not legally sound. I only won because of my speaking ability. So I disqualified myself and my opponent who I defeated became my first individual client. Wow. That's a pretty <laughs> powerful testimony. <laughs> I didn't like it at the time, Robert. I wanted my trophy. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's really cool. Okay. So now I can ask this question. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first got started? Every speaker needs to understand the importance of preparation. A lot of people get into the industry of professional speaking. They've always been prolific or always been loquacious or had a gift of gab. But there's more about being a professional speaker than just enjoying to talk. The best speakers prepare and know how to say what they want to say succinctly with a positive message and focus behind it. Well, you know, you you said that very succinctly. <laughs> I had 22 years of practice, Robert. If I don't have it by now, I need to quit. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And I, I will say being succinct seems to be a challenge for many, even professional speakers. Um, so, so, Vincent, you know, I bet stories are a big part of what your presentations are and, and yes, your sir. speaking. What, what do you do and how do you develop a key story that you may use across multiple presentations? People sometimes get discombobulated with how to tell a story and audiences really want two things from their presenters in terms of storytelling. One, they want authenticity. They don't want you to sound like Robin Williams if you're more of a speaker like Joel Osteen and they don't want you to sound like Tony Robbins if you're more of a speaker such as Brian Tracy. They want you to be who you really are in your presentation style. And the second thing they need from your stories is make them relevant. Make them real. Make them pertinent to what you're there to talk about. So many speakers get misconstrued about trying to be clever or funny or charismatic that they lose point and the story becomes drawn out and the focus is lost. Be genuine and be clear and your stories will be more appreciated. Well, I love the idea of genuineness and being clear. Authenticity and clarity. Yeah, authenticity and clarity. Now, you talk about uh, relevance, which is really an important part of what I I'm really trying to focus on here in, in this season of podcasts. Mm-hmm. How do you ensure that your stories will be relevant and or how do you make them relevant to a specific target audience that you're going to be talking to? The first thing you want to do, Robert, is whomever asks you to speak, you need to ask them a few questions. You need to be clear about the goal of why you're there. 
You need to understand the culture or the historicity of the organization to make sure that the examples or the stories you use fit. One of my uncles, dear man, love him to death, but he was a horrible storyteller, Robert, and he could never make his points relevant. And I remember when I was 16, I had my heart broken and he tried to cheer me up with a story and he ends up finishing the story with, well, Vincent, let me tell you two things about women. You can't live with them and you can't leave them in the water and make them drink. Like what? It didn't make me. <laughs> And it made no sense. It wasn't relevant. So you have to make sure that you understand why you're there. Make sure your stories connect and synergize with your audiences. <laughs> That's a great example, Vincent. I I love it. Robert, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many times a speaker may have made a presentation and someone in the audience was thinking, what? Absolutely. And so many speakers have to understand the difference between enjoying talking and having something to say. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing your research with the meeting planner and, and those who have invited you to speak, what are some of the questions you're asking? What is it? How do you dig in to try and find out what matters to them? I use a process that I incorporate with all of the meeting planners or event coordinators with whom I have the honor of working with. And you want to ask yourself a series of questions that are all encapsulated in what you're there to find out. The first is you always want to start with what's the goal of the presentation? What are you there for? The second thing is you want to ask them what's the best way you can make sure you provide value. You want to be clear about your time frame. You need to know what those audiences have heard before. Audiences now have become so sophisticated with YouTube and TikToks and books and podcasts like the one we're doing now, Robert. You want to make sure that you're not just different, but you are also relevant and also advantageous. So you ask questions such as what training have they had in the past? You ask them what are the things that you can do to bring the most value you want to ask them questions such as, what can I do to make sure that I drive the point home? What are the areas you want me to discuss? Even asking Robert, what are the things that are off topic? What are the things that are off limits? What are the things you want me not to mention? All of these really make up the totality of your message to make sure you're not just interesting, but you're also bringing value. That makes a lot of sense, Vincent. And, and I love the way you approach that. Uh, and, and even the word you used, advantageous, is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and identifying what not to talk about. Do, do you sort of have a core message that you tailor or do you customize every single time you're presenting? It is 51% core, 49% tailored. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I have a, a rich family history of everyone in my family my grandmother was one of the first people in Tennessee to work for 30 consecutive years at a hospital. My grandfather was one of the was the first African American chef to work on a Southern Bell riverboat. My grandmother on my father's side was the first African American female to own her own hair salon and be have a license in cosmetology. So I use a lot of these stories where they're part of my history. They're part of who I am, Robert. Mm -hmm. 
But if I'm talking about leadership, I can use those stories to talk about how they were leaders and stepped out on their own. If I talk about customer service, I can talk about how they took care of their customers and examples that they gave. If I talk about conflict, I can talk about how they had to overcome challenges. If I'm talking about entrepreneurialism or doing something new, I can say how they were able to embrace fear and overcome it. So even though I have these core stories that are part of my family's history, based on the topics, I can customize story to fit the needs of the audience. That's a, a smart move. I love the way you present that. Yes, so, sir. Vincent, uh, you know, as professional speakers, we're in the business of making a living this way. Do you ever recommend speakers uh, speak for free? And if so, why and when? Woo! You're trying to get me in trouble, Robert. Okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dreaded free word. Here, I, I never use the word free, Robert. Okay. Whenever I'm talking to clients or to prospective customers or those who want me to teach them, the word is waiving your fee. When you say the word free, it embodies an entity of no value or no appreciation. But when you say waive your fee, it sends a different message. I also recommend that instead of saying I'll speak for free, I recommend that speakers have a statement such as, well, Mr. Smith, for me to waive my fee, can I ask you some questions to see if you qualify? That's the key word, Robert. Is if you qualify for my waiving fee category. That way you kind of place a, a, a seed in the mind of the person asking you that you do speak for free, that you, that you do charge, and that if you're going to waive your fee, they have to earn the opportunity to have your fee waived. And I do recommend that speakers do waive their fee, but it's dependent on where they are on their career. For someone who's just getting started, Robert, they may need pictures, they may need testimonials, they may need video, but they don't have an audience. Here's a chance for them to get an audience where they don't have to pay for it. So in that case, you would consider waiving your fee. If you are a kind of a speaker where you are seasoned, you have video, you have testimonials, let's say you want to move into the hotel industry or the information technology industry or the cleaning industry, and there's a conference that has 100 people or 1,000 people, and they need a speaker, and you know nothing about that industry, this gives you almost a paid or a non-priced marketing opportunity to showcase your talents. They may videotape it for you. They may take pictures. So I do recommend the speakers waive their fee. It is situational based on where you are. Just make sure you're getting value from it, not just giving away your knowledge. Smart approach. I love the way you word that and, and package that. And I appreciate you sharing that, Vincent. That's awesome. Um, as we start to wrap up here, are there any secret tips or tricks about speaking that you could would be willing to share with our listeners? Absolutely. I can share two. The first is you've got to let the audience know or the, the event coordinator that you as the speaker, we are only part of the event. We want to make sure the event coordinator looks awesome. We want to make sure the company looks awesome. So many speakers need to get out of our own way with ego. It's not about us. It's about what we can do as speakers to bring value to the audience and to make the executive leaders and the event coordinator look fantastic. That's not just not how to get booked. That's how to get rebooked. It's not about us as speakers. It's about the message and the audience. The second thing is you've got to add in special touches. You've got to add in some, some nuances such as using a company name, using information off the company's website. If you're talking to a group of hospital professionals, don't say customers, say patients. If you're talking to academic pers personnel, don't use clients, use students. 
if you're talking to the hospitality industry, don't say clients, say guests. The more you can customize your message and make sure that you're not just the focus, but you're just the vessel that uses to carry that caveat or that message, that's what makes them remember you and that's what have them calling you back. Thank you, Vincent. That's uh, great advice to share. I really appreciate that. And um, as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. <laughs> Thank you very much for having the time to have me on, Robert. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about saying the wrong thing. Here's a question for you. What are some of your biggest regrets when it comes to what you've said? I would guess that people regret what they've said 10 times more than what they failed to say. You can't take words back. All it takes is one misspoken phrase or faux pas to completely lose credibility or respect. But words come fast, and the brain's working as hard as it can when you're on stage. It's easy to slip up. Once again, the pause saves the day. It's a great principle for the speaker and an even greater one for life. Think before you speak. You can only do that with a pause. When in doubt, leave it out. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. For these podcasts, I appreciate that we can edit out all my errors, though we can't always fix all of the technical issues. Some of these we just have to live with. On our next Key5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Diane Wolf, an author and professional speaker who provides tips on publishing, promoting, and speaking. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number five, podcast.com. And be sure to download the speaking tips available there. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com. Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.